every time somebody renews an apartment, aren't they happy? So why aren't you asking for that review? Every time they move in, aren't they happy? Why aren't you asking for that review? Don't be dictated. Don't let the narration be told by people who are dissatisfied because they're getting kicked out for violating a community policy. Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host, broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. If you're thinking about investing passively in real estate and you want to learn how to evaluate a deal, especially today, I created a free guide that walks you through the top five critical deal components that any passive investor must examine. You can find it on my website, ellieperlman.com. All right, so let's get the show started. My guest today is Robert Martinez. He's the CEO of Rockstar Capital, an investment and multifamily property management firm specializing in the acquisition and management of value-add opportunities in Texas. Currently, the portfolio has $348 million in asset under management. So Rockstar Capital was included in the prestigious Houston Business Journal Fast 100 and recognized as the 15th fastest growing privately held company in Houston from 2015 until 2017. So last year, Robert Martinez became the first recipient of the National Apartment Association's Independent Owner of the Year and was recently recognized by the Houston Business Journal as one of Houston's 60 most admired CEOs. That's really impressive. Hey, Robert, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Hey, Ellie, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I know we tried to connect last weekend. You know, we just had some IT issues, right? But I'm happy to be here with you today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Zoom is Zoom. It's great. But, you know, also everyone else discovered Zoom about a month ago, a month and a half ago. And so we definitely feel the pain, but we're working through it. So I'm happy we're able to connect today. So I told the listeners a little bit about your background and you're obviously a very, you know, respectable and recognized entrepreneur and real estate investor. But can you tell us a little bit more about kind of your background and how you got started in real estate? You know, I think like a lot of other people, I stumbled into real estate. You know, I come from a middle, middle class background. My father worked in fast food. My mother worked in for Levi's and, and Hager's before those plants moved to Mexico. And I grew up down in South Texas. And so real estate was not something we talked about at the dinner table. It was more about my dad's job, my dad's day-to-day stuff, right? And that was working fast food. And we learned a lot about customer service, but most importantly, how to work with people, how to deal with people, how to, to get the most out of people, how to maximize people, you know? And I remember, you know, recently he passed away and his funeral was crazy. There were so many people that were there and they were telling these stories on how my dad had helped them, you know? And I never knew my dad like that. My dad was my dad. You know, I didn't have these 
stories that these people were saying how he helps somebody's child go to college and he helps somebody, you know, finish off their drug addiction or he gave somebody a second chance after something had bad had happened at work. And, you know, it's just to me, he was my dad. Right. But I see now a lot of those lessons. I see what he was doing. I, I hear how he invested in people. And so I think a lot of those talents stayed with me. So when I like everybody else, I went to school, got good grades. I went to Texas A&M University. I have an engineering degree and I went to go work in Houston. I went to go because it's oil and energy. Right. And I focus on the sales background. And I did that for the better part of 10 years. So I may have a sales commission background. I'm used to killing what I'm going to eat at night. And I think it's an amazing trait. It's an amazing gift to have that kind of urgency combined with a sales talent, the ability to present yourself, a ability to sell a product, promote a product. But most importantly, what I think I got from my dad was how to invest in people. And so, you know, corporate America is going to get their pound of flesh and they got their pound of flesh out of me a couple of times. And if you want to know what that means, it's, you know, they like the monkey with the commission plan and they, you know, you want to make here and they want you to make here. And no matter what you do, all you do is kind of fluctuate right here. You never get to where like, you're way up here. They keep that away from you. And I got tired of that. I recognized that there was like an epiphany moment. I recognized that I didn't have control of my financial future. My employer did, which meant that they were going to dictate the kind of lifestyle I'm going to have. They dictated when I was going to retire. They're going to dictate the kind of car I was going to drive, the vacations I'm going to have, the schools my kids are going to go to. And that epiphany hit me and like, no, I got to find something else. So the entrepreneur in me came out and says, I've got to figure this out. I've got talent, but if I don't do it now, I'm going to be living in regret, you know? And so I went to a real estate club in 2006, 2007. I stumbled upon it, listened to it on the radio. And I just fell in love with what I was hearing. Like, you know what? I'm going to give this a chance. And I walked in there and it was like, if you ever read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was a giant Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. Everybody was there wanting the same thing. Everybody was networking with each other. I mean, I couldn't have imagined a situation where, you know, you're chasing a dream and you're listening to somebody on a stage who got his dream and you're sitting there in the front row and there's other people who, who are on the way to achieving their dream. And that dream is owning real estate. So I thought I was going to join and learn how to buy a single family. And instead, you know, I, I went to the Sunday class. And I learned all about multifamily and I was hooked. I mean, how you can change the valuation, how you can increase the income, reduce the expenses, you know, optimize the NOI and dramatically improve operations and be able to make a lot of money for you and maybe your investors. And once I learned that, I was hooked. I like, this is what I'm going to do. So I found a business partner there. I networked with him. In 2007, we started a company and I was the COO. I sat in that chair every single day learning the business learning how to lease, you know, it's the same sales is sales. So I can sell a million dollar piece of equipment to a guy with a PhD. I can lease a $600 apartment to a guy making $30,000, $40,000 a year. And I'm, these are Houston numbers, not California. <laughs> but more importantly, be able to teach that to your staff, right? Because I'm not going to sit in the chair every single day. My staff yeah. is going to. And they need to understand and have the right tools and ask the right questions and present the company in the best light. And most importantly, listen. And so I got really good at that. And so from 2007 to 2011, we did 2,000 units, 10 properties, and I ran those properties. We survived the recession. We put people out of business. We did 100% cash out refinance events when nobody said you could do it. You know, we did all these great, amazing things. And so I'd like to say that before I ever syndicated or put together, asked for any investment dollar, I ran 2,000 units first. 
I put my money in each of those deals and I turned my money over. And so in 2011, when I started Rockstar Capital, I already had had three years of experience in 2000 units and three 100% refinance events. Since 2011, my company Rockstar Capital has gone on to win 17 city state National Apartment Association Awards. As you mentioned, we're one of the most recognized companies in Texas. And to correct you, I'm the first two-time National Independent Owner of the Year. And that's really gratifying for me because I won my first one in 2013, and I won the last one last year in 2019. And at the same time, we won National Property of the Year, which was like a dream for me, right? That was almost bigger than winning National Owner of the Year because I already had won that one before. You know, I won it early on, you know, but it was special to win that for a second time and be up there with your property winning national property of the year and all the awards and the accolades and and the benefits that go with that. And in that time, you know, we've done 12 100% cash out refinance events since 2011. And that doesn't even include the three that I did in my previous life. So I love real estate. I love teaching real estate. I love taking people's money and helping them grow their real estate. You know, my mama, she's in these deals. You know, I've turned her into a multimillionaire. You know, I turned other people into multimillionaires and it's a fantastic feeling. We've done webinars the last two weeks highlighting people that invested with us in the beginning and, and now how their life has changed. That's amazing. And I think it's also a good place to make the shift and start talking about the assets. You've mentioned how you've helped people become millionaires by investing in multifamily. What are your thoughts about how this recession is different than 2008? Because you were there and you were investing yeah. in multifamily. You know, what are kind of the differences between the two recessions from your point of view? Well, not only was I there, that's when I got started. I bought a deal in 2007, December of 07. So we paid a lot for it and we had to survive that. So I know you can survive it. We saw it bottom out and we saw it come back up. You know, this recession is very different. This recession is artificial. It is not a real economic slowdown. As you know, you live in this country. We had record unemployment. Everything's booming. And I don't think this recession will last as long as the last one because government has gotten involved tremendously. They've got small business loans out there. They have expanded, enhanced unemployment benefits that were non-existent before in the recession. You got a check and that was like that $1,000 check, I think is what it was, once or twice. And that was it. There was no expanded employment benefits where they're going to add additional money. $600, I think is what it is per week. So as landlords, that helps us. You know, we're talking earlier about what our collections were throughout this. I bet you've, ex you've exceeded your expectations. Oh, yes. And the, benefit, the reason for that is the American government. I mean, I hate to give them all that credit, right? I, I like Donald Trump. Other people do not. But he has to fight with Congress. And they all came together to, to give those benefits. Now, I know they did a lot of other things that we probably wouldn't agree with. But they gave the American people money. And that helped us, the landlord. What the recession is doing, this C-19 recession, it's testing everybody's liquidity and it's testing your solvency and it's testing what you did when times were good because as you know everybody's figured out that apartment investing is the where you want to be syndicators have popped up everywhere wanting to own apartment complexes you know and you know, i've been doing this for a long time and before it was sexy you know i paid education to learn how to do this and my first syndication was 1.5 million and it was all that i was able to put together and you know, and so I'm an owner operator. I'm a tactician and I love what I do. You know, I, I don't do third party management. I don't do it for anybody else and I don't hire it out for us. I like being in the thick of it. I like figuring out how to get better. And when the harbor was full, all boats are floating. That's and right. right now the harbor is now full and it's testing what everybody did when times were good. 
we recognize, I talked to you offline that I got a chance to visit with Gary Vee and Grant Cardone. And I take those meetings very, very uh, importantly because I paid money to sit there. I, I paid, you know, $10,000 to sit there and talk to Gary. I paid the better part of that to sit there and talk to Grant. And they're giving you wisdom, nuggets of information. And at the time, they may not make sense to you, but later on they do. And I remember when I got home, one of the things Gary had told me, and I had the video, I'm watching it over and over again. He said, figure out a way to put yourself out of business. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to tell you, and then come up with a way to defense against it. So I sat there and thinking, okay, how am I going to go out of business? Okay. What happened to Blockbuster? Netflix came. You know the whole Netflix story. Netflix was in their boardroom, got laughed out of there when they told them that the future was digital online, press button. Laughed out today. Netflix is a multi-billion dollar company. They picked up 16 million subscribers last month as a result of C19, right? Which is amazing. They've blown out their 2020 numbers. Amazon put Sears out of business. Right. And they put Toys R Us out of business. They put all the retailers out of business. And what C19 is doing, it's fast forwarding the new world, eating up the old world, right? Netflix ate up Blockbuster. Amazon ate up Sears and everybody else. All these companies are now going to declare bankruptcy. Who's declaring bankruptcy? Retail, brick and mortar. They've gone online. Who's booming? Netflix. Amazon. Amazon, I read today. I don't know if you saw the article. They're about to buy AMC. You know, they tried to buy Landmark Theaters to a 2018. And today, they're now going to pick up 673 stores or theaters to use in, in combination with their original programming. And they're going to get it at a discount. So put yourself out of business. There would come a day when people would not come to the leasing offices. There will come a day when they don't need you. They need somewhere to live, but they don't need you. People, I hate to say this, are replaceable, right? Businesses are replaceable. Uber put out the taxi business, right? So what can they do? Well, everything goes back to the phone. We all live on this, right? You probably don't go to the bathroom without this being within three feet of you, six feet of you, right? And so I hate to admit that, but that's the truth. And we said, okay, People don't want to show up on a Saturday morning anymore and tour 10 apartment deals. They want to find you all week long during the week. They want to go online. They want to see a story. They want you to storytell to them very quickly. They want to see video. My videographer's here. I, I created that position three months after I, I left Gary Vee. The first time I met him in the summer of 2017. Then they want to know, is it safe to live here? They want to know, what are the people thinking? We own resident reviews right now. We own them. Rankings come out, our companies are ranked one, two, and three every single year. I think my company, Rockstar Capital, is the highest rated property management company for online reputation management. Because every time somebody renews an apartment, aren't they happy? So why aren't you asking for that review? Every time they move in, aren't they happy? Why aren't you asking for that review? Don't be dictated. Don't let the narration be told by people who are dissatisfied because they're getting kicked out for violating a community policy. You know, Don't let them dictate because they can't pay their rent. It's not fair, right? So tell your story. Finally, we realize that people don't want to come to the office at all. Once they make that decision, they want to lease online. We spend massive amounts of time and resources to develop our virtual reality capability. In April, we had 270 leases. But let me go back a little bit. Between March and April, we had had somewhere around 180 leases. And at that time, 70% of those were virtual reality only. April settled down as people started to get a little more confident. They started coming back to the office. We had 270 leases as a property management company and 40% were virtual reality only, meaning that they went into our websites and they did the whole process online. 
They got the resident screening done. They got the employment verification done, submitted all their money, went through the virtual tour, did the lease contract, and all they had to do was show up and pick up the key. And we're working on that with smart home technology. When a couple of our properties down in South Texas, you can now use your app to open up your door. So we're trying to stay ahead of the curve. So when going back to your question, put yourself out of business, we survived this reset. Our occupancies are going up. Everybody's renewals are high because that's what's happening right now in the mentality. Nobody wants to move, but some are moving. And 40% of our leases were a result of never coming into the office. So if we didn't have that capability, that's 40% that we wouldn't have today. 40% of the almost 300 that I mentioned, and that's 100 leases for our portfolio that would not be there. So that's what I was talking about when I said, figure out a way to put yourself out of business and come up with a defense against it. Very, very interesting. I think it's very smart because as you mentioned, things are moving and they're moving towards you know that direction. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the strategy of investing in multifamily. What is the strategy, you know, that you've had prior to COVID and maybe post-COVID? Are you investing in value-add deals and core or core plus? Which one is kind of your focus? So we definitely are still in a, in a class B mentality, class B mall. We feel that's the best value. However, we've seen some deep discounts on the class A market. So deep down in South Texas, we own two class A's, a 2015 build and a 2017 build because we bought them at such a price that I couldn't believe that they were available for that point. We went in there, we injected capital, we changed our management, they're doing really, really well. Those, one of those was our fastest distribution ever that we've ever had as a company. So we're really excited about that. But what we try to do is we wanna go in there and fix everything that's gonna break during our ownership period. And then we're gonna have two ownership periods because we're gonna be a 10 year hold. The first five years will be covered by the initial renovation. And then the second five years will be covered by our cash out refinance event. We will put money away for a rainy day and redeploy. The number one thing I like to do is I like to change out all the air conditions day one. The number one headache and the reason why people move out is maintenance and the number one maintenance headache is air conditions. Where you live, the weather's awesome. Here in Houston, it can get really hot, mm -hmm. really hot like 102, 104, and it cannot be 80 degrees in your apartment and think that you're gonna get the renewal because all the money you ever make in real estate happens when people renew. Not when they move in, it's when they renew. When they move in, you got moving costs, make ready costs, leasing commission, vacancy loss, marketing, all, a number of costs that you can throw in there. But when they renew, you actually get a price increase. You actually get them to pay more right? and you don't lose vacancy loss. And you, you understand forced appreciation, a $10 rent bump on 100 units for 12 months is $200,000 evaluation on a six cap. Now I don't know what the caps are there in California, but six cap is pretty normal here for a class B. So by just doing what you're supposed to do, you're gonna get those higher valuations. So when your resident rankings are at top of the nation, you have great turn, you have low turnover, high renewal, you're seeing large valuations occur. So we focus first on the things that affect our residents, basic services. Gotta make sure the ACs are cool, they're under warranty, they're not gonna break. Then you gotta make sure that water is consistent. So we change out the borders, wherever there's a border system, or we make sure that there's no interruption of service. The next thing we're trying to figure out is internet, because internet and phone is a big deal, right? They gotta have strong connections at all times. I currently live on the 33rd floor of a high top, of a residential uh, high rise, and I hate my phone. My phone doesn't work that high. And so if I'm not using the internet to be able to make calls, it doesn't work. So it's the same thing at, at ground level. Some of our sites don't have the best connections and I hate it. 
I hate it. Sometimes here in our podcast studio, we don't have the best connection where we're, we're utilizing one of our uh, one bedroom units at one of our sites, you know, and the connection isn't always great. And I, this has been a great lesson for me to see, wow, this is what people are having to go through. Their connection isn't strong. So mm-hmm. we now need to figure out a way to make sure that this is a basic service, that this gets recognized and we work on that in the next rehab. And would you change your value add strategy during COVID or post COVID? Well, right now we're pausing. You know, I had two deals, one I had in contract, one I already done the walkthrough, the other one I was about to walk in the contract on, and I kept stalling, stalling, stalling. And this is before the shelter and order place came out. And they were very upset with me, like, sign the contract, sign the contract. And I signed it, but I never wired the money. And I said, listen, I don't have certainty right now to move forward. I can't do it. It's 400 miles away. How am I going to get my teams down there? How do I guarantee their safety? How do I guarantee the safety of your people? You know, and then what's financing going to be like? Financing was all over the board and it's yeah. still over the board. You don't know what you're going to yeah. get, you know, and I think we'll, we'll cover that in a minute. And it's changed the game a little bit. So we didn't walk into that. We said, we'll come back to you later in the year if you want to sell to us. The other deal, it was crunch time. And I had to make a decision. Are we going to buy this deal? Or am I going to accept the financing changes? Or do I use this time and focus on my business? Because I've raised $100 million of capital that people expect me to take care of them. And right now, they're scared. They want to know, are we making money? Are we going to go under? Are you going to make collections? You know, and I hear him, I, how can I go to sleep at night, chase a deal, when I really know I have a fire, a potential fire here at home? And so I walked away. I walked away from the deal. I negotiated some of my earnest money back. I told him that I want to write a first refusal that give me 12 months. And I'll come back to you. As soon as you want to sell, you know, we can revisit again. But just give me the first chance to look at that. But I ate $50,000. And I like to tell my, my company that I paid for this slowdown time. And I'll tell you what, and you're probably just like me. We are making massive improvements right now. The COVID-19 may have been the best thing that ever happened to us because it took our mind off of growth and expansion and put us 100% on making our business better. So we've done vendor surveys. We're working on staff surveys. We're looking at what are our weaknesses in our business? Where are we weak right now? Just like I told you with the example, find a way to put yourself out of business. Where are we weak right now? Let's hire that out. Let's recruit. I've got someone right now I'm talking to and I'm trying to bring her in and I know she'd be a game changer. Just before C19 came, we made a monster move on a regional with massive amount of experience, 20 some years of experience working at Graystar. That was the big deal for us because we're still considered a startup. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have a lot of people like that. Now I have people that worked at Graystar in upper management with me. Now I have people that worked at Camden in upper management with me. We're bringing in the country's best and we're trying to make ourselves strong. So that's what we're doing right now during COVID-19. And do you think that your value add strategy is going to change, let's say, six months from now? So you said that you're pausing on the value add on the renovation. When do you think would be a good time to go back to that strategy? Well, number one is you got to make sure you still have the horses in the barn, right? So we've done a survey with all of our investors and I said, hey, this is what we're thinking. You, some of you knew that I walked away from this deal. I want you to know that I, I paid for this $50,000 time because I'm not going to put your money at risk. But when the time comes to do that, are you going to follow me? You know, and we did a survey of who's ready to invest in the next three months, who's ready to invest in the next six months. And okay, here are what returns may look like. You may see some deep discount deals because I think anybody that takes that forbearance, that's a poison pill. 
you know, and we can go into that discussion if you want, but there are so many strings attached to that. Right. The most important was you owe that money and it is due at the end of your 12 months. More importantly to that, you know, you can't do any evictions at all during that process. Or distribution. So those residents mm-hmm. that aren't paying you income are still utilizing your utilities. Right. Are still utilizing your resources. And when you finally do get to file an eviction, guess what? You're last in line because the rest of the country is in front of you in the eviction process. So it is a poison pill that I think will result in people selling those deals because they'll get to the point where they realize I can't pay this back. What am I going to do? So they rather sell the deal, use the proceeds to catch up on their loan and sell the deal out. So I told them there could be some deep value add deals later, but I'm unsure. And you shouldn't wait for those deals because there's going to be a few and far in between. You know, I don't know if you know the percentages, but I would think 80, 20 rule, 20% of the people will be taking forbearance and and 80% won't. So everybody's going to be fighting for those 20%. There are still good deals from good operators, from good properties that you can still buy, fine tune, enhance. And those are the ones that I think we're going to chase. You know, there are a couple of deals that we've heard about that may be in trouble, but I mean, it's just a sprinkle, you know, and I think it's also regional, you know, we're very fortunate here in Texas that our state is going back to work where, right. you know, you know mm-hmm. there's, the majority of us want to go back to work. I've been out to restaurants. I've been out trying to spend money where I can, you know, and to try to create a positive environment, but it just depends. So, you know, I know where you're going though. You want to, you want to talk about, you know, financing, right? You know, financing is so different right now. You don't yeah. know what's going on. This whole 12 months of reserves in advance, man, that really changes the underwriting. And you don't really know, are they going to hold the money? Are they going to let go of the money? I mean, I had my record 13, 100% refinance event cut short because they changed the terms on me at the last second. And they added this 12-month provision that wasn't in there in my term sheet. And I'm like, I don't want to do this now. You have all my money. You have 12 months of my cash, of of my P&I, of taxes and insurance that I never budgeted for you to have. So- we're putting those on pause. We'll do refinances at the end of the year or maybe just mm-hmm. push them into another year, you know, and let everything settle out because you don't want uncertainty when you're investing. You got to have certainty because then you're literally throwing your money in the wind and where it lands, it lands. Yeah. And I think there are other ways to kind of minimize the uncertainty and basically compensate you for the unknowns. And it depends on the market, depends on the deal, but you're definitely right when it comes to financing, you know, LTVs have you know, compressed and that impacts returns, you know, a deal that normally pre-COVID would pay 8% is now paying 6 or 7% because you can't get 75% LTV on a loan, you can get 55. And that, that could be a deal killer. If if you're running the numbers, you know how much those, you know, this, this little thing as the LTV can change, you know, the equation, even though interest rates are still low. But having said that, there's still deals out there. They're not in the magnitude that we thought we would see. Because of forbearance, where basically those who are struggling to pay their debt, they can, you know, hit the pause button on it. Then you don't see all the immediate distressed properties at this point. It will probably take six to maybe 12 months until we're really going to see those who are in trouble. But in the meantime, would you really wait for 12 months? Because your money is not making you anything sitting in the bank or can be very volatile when it comes to the stock market. So I would say, yes, there's still deals out there. You're absolutely right. You know, financing is not as good. It just takes a little bit more time to find, you know, those deals. And we should be careful. We were careful before COVID because I thought most deals were overpriced and we're still going to be careful, you know, post COVID. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to take some settlement time, right? Cause you have right. to get the sellers 
to understand where their market is. And mm -hmm. if they need to sell, well, then you'll get a better cap rate. If they don't need to sell, then they're going to hold on. Yeah. And so it all depends on their reserves. I think we talked a minute about reserves. You know, we were very fortunate, right, that we had sufficient reserves. You know, most of my sites had six months. I had no site less than three months reserves. You know, so that made me feel really good, right? That if not a dollar came in, we could survive for six months. If we could hold on to 65% occupancy, we could go a year, yeah. you know, and everybody's in a different spot. You know, I think the guys that are probably buying deals more recently, you know, or certainly I'm sure you have our deals that we bought more recently are the ones that are more susceptible to issues, right? Because the leverage is higher. The debt service right. is higher. But fortunately for us, those are the deals that have the highest reserves right now because, you know, it's early in the process, right? Mm -hmm. So you can siphon away here, exactly. you know, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to optimize our business right now. Using these two to three month time as a forced timeout to plan the next attack, using this time to evaluate all vendors, cut costs where you can, figure out who your winners are. You know, as you know, every company is based on the bottom third of their business. That's what's driving them. The bottom third will dictate where you go. And so figuring out that do we have weak players here or can they be trained up? Do we need to bring them in? So, you know, we're literally playing chess right now. We're trying to go and make the right moves, remove one piece, replace it with another piece. And I love it. It's your empire building, right? You're getting strong for the next attack. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move forward to the lightning round questions. Are you ready, Robert? I am ready, let's do this. Okay, perfect. So the first question is, what's your favorite hobby? So my favorite hobby is really making myself better. I love real estate. I love everything involved with real estate, but I also love business. I love a way to self-help, self-improve. And I, I pay attention to what's going on. I pay attention that you got people like Bill Gates who they're accusing of vaccinations and depopulating the world. And then you have Jeff Bezos acting like an assassin and buying something that he wanted two years ago. And you read the article, he wanted to buy landmark theaters two years ago in 2018. And instead he's gonna pick up AMC, the largest movie theater in the country at a discount, expand his brand, expand his content. I mean, that's genius. And so I asked myself, what do we need to do to do that? How do we take that idea? No, I can't buy AMC, but maybe I can buy some yes. or maybe I can make a game changing move because that's what it is. It's a game changing move that plays on their strengths. So what are our strengths and what can we think of as a group, group think to make the next strategy move? That's really inspiring and really interesting. Well, the next question I want to ask you is if there's, you know, something that people usually don't know about you. Well, I'm a big family guy. I love my little boys. I wish they were here with me. They're my mini me's and we are truly into soccer. I don't miss practices. I don't miss a single game. I've never missed a game in my kid's career. I have one that's 14 and I have one that's 12. And I've coached them as long as they would allow me to coach them until the <laughs> professional coaches kicked me away and said, uh, you know, you know, we got it from here. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm a massive, massive soccer guy because I love how my kids compete and it prepares them for life. And the way they get up, the way they shake it off, the way they have, you know, a strong, you know, steel trap mind, the way they handle adversity, they change, they grow. And uh, when they're down by a goal, I see one like this shaking it off, you know, and going to the next one. I see no one, the tears flow. I just, I love watching it because it prepares them for life, it prepares them for business so that one day I got one right here, I got the other one right here. And, you know, we look like the Trumps and we're running our company, we're, we're running the country. All right. Third question. What do you wish that you had known when you first started investing in real estate? Man, I wish that I would have been able to eliminate the fear 
that I had early on. I wish I would have known that it wasn't that scary. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have known that I had the ability early on. I didn't need a partner. I didn't need to go slow. I had it in me to go fast. And I wish I would have learned that, you know, it's not a win or lose. You win or you learn. It's okay to make mistakes. The faster you make that mistake, the sooner you can correct it and you're moving on. You know, so when we did virtual reality, I didn't have all the ideas. I just knew I wanted it. We made some mistakes figuring it out, right? But we got there, we moved on to the next subject and we just fine tuned. So that helped us get ahead of the curve. Interesting, interesting. All right, the next question is, what's your number one advice for a real estate investor that wants to scale her or his own portfolio? Okay, number one, you got to network. Mm -hmm. If people don't know you, then they can't flow you, right? So you got to create a brand. Everybody has a brand. Some are just more known than others. I decided I want to create a brand three years ago, and now I've got 55,000 followers. I'm, I'm Instagram verified. And that's, you know, you're like, well, why is that important? Well, I go to conferences. I go to all places, you know, to attend areas. And I have people coming up to me and say, hey, I know you from LinkedIn, or I know you. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. And that matters because of what you're putting out. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Write articles for LinkedIn. You know, show who you are on Facebook. Show your family time on Instagram. Get a little crazy. Get, you know, get interesting for people. And you never know who you're going to shake hands with. You know, I, I had a big money guy. They're like, wait, who are you? How do you know me? Because, yeah, I represent a big investment firm. And we saw you. And, you know, that could be something. Last year, Tarka Musa from Flipper Flop contacted me. He came to Houston, hung out with us. He was on a, a bus tour with us not too long ago. And it was an amazing time that a social media star could find you. So push your brand out there. And that's how you're going to grow. Because if people don't know you, you can't network and you can't grow. That's absolutely 100% true. That's absolutely true. All right. Well, Robert, if one of our listeners want to reach out to you and chat with you, where can people find you? Well, first, I've had a fantastic time. Thank you so much for having me on there. I hope I've been able to bring value to you and your followers and your listeners. If you want to hear more about me, please contact me on LinkedIn. I've got a big following on Instagram at Apartment Rockstar. Or if you just want to be my friend, you know, come tag me at Robert Martinez on Facebook and we can share soccer stories. All right, perfect. Well, Robert, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you so much for all the wisdoms that you've, you know, shared with me and the audience. I definitely learned. And I'm sure the listeners learned a lot as well. And yeah, just take care. COVID is still here, but we're also here. We're strong. And, you know, I wish you all the best and take care. Thank you very much. Stay in touch. And hey, let's network. It'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.